Hey, this is Brent Jensen. You're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. And today on the show, I welcome a man who needs no introduction. It is the legendary Kim Mitchell. Kim, how are you, man? I'm good, Brent. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks good, for doing man. this. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's nice to chat with you. Thank you. So, Kim, as you know, I'm a big Max Webster fan, Kim Mitchell fan. A lot of my friends are, too. I wanted to tell you a story before we got started here. Two weeks ago, my neighbor, John, and I were sitting in his backyard, adequately distanced, of course, for COVID. Uh, we're listening to Million Vacations, and uh, we're talking about how Max Webster's music is kind of synonymous with summer. You know, it's just got that vibe. And the next day, I played uh, Night Flights on my radio show. And so I texted John to let him know that I did that. And uh, his response was, well done. You gave the world a gift. I thought that was really cool. Wow. He's a wow. massive Max Webster fan. He told me that when he read in the star that Max Webster was breaking up, he spent the weekend in his bedroom sulking. Oh, no. <laughs> so, did, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a couple weeks. I spent every weekend for a whole month, I think, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's really cool. That I, I love hearing Max Webster stories, Brent. Yeah, and and it's it's funny. I didn't realize there were so many Max Webster stories until when I was in my solo career, and one of the drummers went, "Do you notice something about everybody that comes up to you and says hello?" And I'm like, "Well, what's that?" And he goes, "Everybody has a Max Webster story." That's true. And, and it's it's such a it's humbling, you know, that that you made you were part of the you were part of somebody's musical fabric in their life just a small little piece along with other bands and other you know lots of musical experiences but uh it's a it's something that they remember so uh, that's very very humbling to me that means probably uh, i'm not saying that gold records aren't important in platinum records and juno awards and stuff but that's the stuff that you sort of go wow because you're directly talking to one of your fans so you know, yeah it's, it's pretty cool so thank him for that oh i definitely will and and you know before we got started with the show here i was telling you the story about my buddy ian o'malley who grew up in the maritimes and uh went on to be a popular on-air personality in new york city and you know it's it wasn't it's not uncommon for him to fraternize with people like springsteen and you know carly simon back in the day and that sort of thing but uh, i got him a guitar for his birthday and I had you sign it. You remember that I brought it down to the studios and he, you're his guy. Like he above all loves Kim Mitchell has, has never met you wants to, you know, Rockland is his favorite tune. He's a huge fan. Oh, oh that's so nice. Yeah. yeah that's, that's so nice. I, you know, I, I'm proud of that record too, Rockland. I was a member of Burton Cummings said to me once, and I, I wouldn't think he would, have any of my records but he goes man rockland was on my was back in the days of ipods he said that thing's been on my ipod for like ever he said i just love that record ah nice yeah well that that's cool and, and the, congratulations on his career that's that's great to yeah do so well in new york city that's the big the big place oh yeah yeah not bad for a kid from the maritimes yeah where, whereabouts in the maritimes he was from um Prince Edward Island. Okay. And yep. he started out, he told me he started out doing, you know, the local radio station three in the morning playing Helen Reddy records, you know, and uh, just kind of packed it all in and said, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot and moved to New York 
and um and and made it it's it's an incredible story wow isn't that great yeah fantastic wow yeah Yeah. jump in you know take take the shot it's great i played canada so much i'm sure i've been to charlottetown maybe 30 times but i know i've toured across canada like at least 40 times so wow sure yeah at least (laughs) somewhere between 35 and 40 40 tours yeah, in the summer times, I remember relatively recently you you know doing a, a lot of summer stuff all over the place mm-hmm. in Canada, right? Yeah, I love playing outdoors in the summer and those small town festivals, the rib fests and the corn fests and the whatever fest it is, and I just, they're just great. Yeah, put those things that are put on by the city sometimes, and it's just it's always an awesome night. Yeah. So Kim, uh, on June twenty six, you released a new single called Wishes. And it's from a forthcoming new album called The Big Fantasize. This is your first new record now in 13 years. From I think it was 2007 that you released Ain't Life Amazing, right? So it's been a little while. The new song, Wishes, was written over a number of years too, I think, wasn't it? Yes, it was. You're right. It was a poem 10 years ago that I stumbled upon by chance in a waiting room. I can't remember if it was a dentist or a doctor, but you can picture that waiting room thing when you look over and you go, I guess I'll read something. And yeah. it's usually out of date magazines and stuff like that. But it was a book of poetry and I would never pick up a, a book of poetry, but I did. And the first page I opened up to, it wasn't page one. It was just somewhere in the middle. It was this poem wishes. And I started to read it and, and immediately got hooked by it thinking, Oh, I'd love to write a song with this poem. And so I ordered the book. I, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, was Am- did Amazon even exist? I don't think so. I'm mm. not, that, that part's missing, Brent. How, how did that book get to my door? Um, but anyway, I ordered it. And uh, quickly, shortly after I received the book, I ended up getting the music to Wishes in the verses. So I sort of had a, I came up with this part. And, and sort of the verse chords. And, and loved it, but quickly realized that, okay, this poem is really complete. Like, it's a complete thing. It's just so beautiful top to bottom. It ends beautifully. But as a song now, it's in music. It's not, or at least my music, it's, it doesn't feel complete. It feels like it still needs a couple of things, a, a middle musical deviation, a, a chorus. It took me till about four months ago, five months ago to finish it. Wow. And, and yeah, yeah. But I didn't work on it every day. It was it was one of those. Start. I've been telling people lately that I felt like the song's roadie. Um, <laughs> that I would check in with it once in a while and go, "Should we work together today? Or you got anything?" <laughs> and, and and I would try a couple things, and it would be like, "No, that's not it." I felt like the song was telling me, "No, that's not it. Go away." I'd go. I'd leave it for a couple months and. And this sort of that that sort of thing, and it, I a couple times I left it for a couple of years. Actually, I just completely forgot about it. And then mm. Four months ago, I wanted it on the record, this new record, and I went, "Okay, look, look I wonder if I can finish this." And it, and I stopped playing guitar at the end of the first verse, and I just kept singing a melody that might work for a chorus. And it just went, "Wow, that feels really natural. That feels like it belongs." And and in an hour, I had the song finished. And, I sort of chuckled to myself. <laughs> well, that took a that took a little time, didn't it? <laughs> uh, but it felt complete, and I was really proud of it. So, so I guess the moral of the story is for a songwriter: if you love a song, if you believe in a song, keep at it, keep at it. And there's always the other side of the mountain. Yeah. For, for that tune. 
that's how it came about. And, you know, when I listen to Wishes, there are some unmistakable Mitchell-isms in there, like the same ones that I hear in a lot of your earlier stuff, so like the vocal melodies. And yeah. In, in, in Wishes, I hear um, that same sentiment that I hear in Patio Lanterns. The, okay. The, the, the same kind of contemplation, and it's a, a look back. You know, there's a genuine sincerity that comes across in that. Sure, sure. And what you're speaking about, I believe, Brent, is something that I have worked on as a songwriter, which is there's songs to pop your veins out in your neck mm-hmm. and really put a lot behind them. And there's other ones that you just relax and you open your mouth and you sing very relaxed. Yes. And and put your heart into it, but it's not it's not emotional. It's not like that. It's, <laughs> it's just you just hey. Da, 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 da. Um, patio lanterns was like that and oddly enough i noticed that with frank sinatra oh. and i would never compare myself to him but it's a lesson that you we learn we learn all the time from people before us and mm-hmm. and it, i just noticed i went wow he's just so amazing what what's what's one of the things that he's amazing at and that's what what i noticed it was like well he just he re- he's so relaxed he's yeah. so it's, he's not going way above his range, and if he does, it's a sh- it's a short moment, and he sings out of tune and and owns it that way. Yeah. You know, Robert Plant made a career out of sliding underneath a note and singing it flat and and moving. Oh, it's just beautiful stuff. You can mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. The plaintive delivery of yeah. Patio Lanterns, I think, is its real charm. Right? I would say the same of Wishes. You're right. It's not overwrought. And it, you know, Brent, it's not something I do easily either because Patio Lanterns took three days to sing in the studio. I kept coming at it and going, no, that's not it. And I, you know, I'd sing it for an hour and I go, I don't have it. And, wow. And we'd try it later in the afternoon. We'd work on other stuff and shake them like a human being. Yeah. And I'd come back and do it again. And, and it took three days before I went, okay, okay, that's good. And to this day, I still want to go back and sing oh, it. No. <laughs> yeah. Wishes, not so much. I'm really happy with the vocal on Wishes, and I love the lyrics. And it just seems so timely right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The lyrical content on that song. And... Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, well, well done. That's... Uh, well, that's, thank you. Yeah, available now. Any? What is the ballpark for the new record coming out? Do you, do you have any idea? I don't. I don't. I wish I could tell you... Uh, in a month or in two months, I'm I'm thinking for sure this year. Mm-hmm. I know I can't, you know, but once again, we're working as a team on this. Um, but you know, there's a label manager and me yeah. and myself, and um, I'm just not sure. We're none of us are sure what to do yet mm. because you know, in a perfect world, I I I lean towards when they say, "Well, what do you think?" And I go, "Well." I would love the whole thing to be back on. Like we're playing in sweaty rock and roll rooms and then the record comes out and we can have stuff at the gigs and we can play a couple tunes live. But once again, I'm all about giving people what they want to hear too. Yeah. So, but um, it, it's not, it may not be like that for a year, two years. I don't know. I mean, people are saying, oh, okay, your gigs are moved to 21 next year. Well, who says that we're, it's going to be safe to get on a plane and sit in a hotel room and, a gathering of a thousand people to ten thousand people. Who, who who says that that's going to be cool? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a mystery. Well, we'll see. So we'll play it by ear, and at some point we'll just go. Ah, oh, let's get let's get it out and let people enjoy it. So 
yeah. that could happen too. Well, the good news is that that is the case. It is there, and, and, and it yeah, is coming, yeah, so. it's all ready to go. A full length studio album and and some live tracks too. Awesome! Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What are they? Yeah, yeah. It's a little bonus. If it, so, picture if it's on vinyl, there'll be the the studio record, and then yeah. there'll be another uh, piece of vinyl in there with some live stuff on it. Oh, that's great! That's, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Awesome. Now, the, the stuff that was live that we we're doing was in front of a very small audience. It was done at a recording studio, in fact. It was, I'm going to say, maybe 50, 60 people, tops, okay. in the audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. That's but fun. So, yeah. It's, plow, it's plowing along, man. It's the energy of the bands right there. Awesome. I can't wait to hear that. That's great. Rock and roll in all its imperfections. <laughs> That's the best kind. It's a, it's a beautiful right. thing, man. That, that is the best kind. That's my favorite. Yeah. Old vintage Rolling Stones, the mistakes left in. I love it. Well, also, there's a lot of, you know, there's bands, you know, Rival Sons, they're, they're right in that in that headspace, too. Like, yeah. let's let's bang this off in one take. It's like, well, you know, your vocal's off there a bit. Well, he sings amazing, but that's kind of speeds up there a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's expressive. Rock and roll is supposed to be expressive. Exactly. That's where the authenticity it's, comes we're from. Not, we're not pressing a space bar, you know, and, and there's that kind of music too, which is valid. Yep. So speaking of music, my friend, we have got your five songs here. Okay. They are good. I got to ask you a question. Your first one is Van Halen dreams. Now, does this mean Kim that you are a Hagar guy and not a Roth guy? Well, I, I'm both for, for different reasons. I, I loved Roth, the, the sort of circus classic. Those tunes were iconic, mm -hmm. but I think I think people got a hate on for Sammy Hagar because it wasn't Roth or something, but there's some really beautiful grown-up rock and roll writing mm -hmm. from Pound Cake to When It's Love to uh, you know there's there's some you, undeniably some great stuff too. And a little side note, David Lee Roth when he left mm -hmm. and he had Billy Sheehan in the band, I got a telephone call one yeah. day from them and they went we're recording your song kids in action right now yeah. like right now do you have the lyrics to the second verse because we can't we can't we're not getting them right now. i'm like i kind of dropped the phone for a second like picture <laughs> that you know frostbitten canadian all of a sudden it's like <laughs> billy shin is in the studio right now with ted templeman and david lee roth and steve Vai. and what what yeah <laughs> so i'm like okay yeah here's the second verse i could barely talk and then it got bumped off by Tobacco Road at the end, which, but so it was my almost moment. But uh, Hagar, and then I met Van, uh, Eddie and Sammy Hagar. They came in our dressing room after we opened up for them. Okay. I remind me of a funny, I have a good story about that actually. Um, but uh, Dreams, you know, we'll talk about the song. But first, I'll just, uh, you know, you can edit this out if you want. But, oh, but no, take your time. This was, a, this, was, this was a funny moment. Um, Eddie, we played with him in Rochester. And my lighting guy mm -hmm. and my sound guy and I'm on side of the stage on Eddie's side. And they're playing away in the, it's an afternoon show. And Eddie has his, his like sort of ample case, picture of ample case with all these different drinks, like Gatorade, there's water, there's this or that, there's probably Jack Daniels, whatever <laughs> there was. And he comes over and he runs over in between a song and we're kind of standing there and he goes, and he says, <laughs> he looks at us all, he goes, oh my God, he says, it sounds like shit up here today. And and my lighting guy goes, oh yeah, you should hear it out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he puts this big look at his face, like what? Because <laughs> oh no, it's like I 
looked at my lighting guy and I'm like, dude, what did you just say? <laughs> like, what did you... <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. That's so funny. Anyway. Uh, okay. So dreams. I just, I loved that song. I love when Eddie plays keyboards too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love him as a writer in this and it, the song to me just gets up and, and goes. It, it's, it's the musical equivalent of, getting on a drag strip and just like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. like flooring it and going as fast as you can in a quarter mile. I just love everything about it. And I love the, uh, in dreams, there's a little musical section, a little, little solo section where he deviates harmonically. The chord changes and go a little bit different right before Sammy comes back in. And it's, it's one of those vein popping songs. Like Sammy's popping his veins during it, yeah. which he, he was really good at. And it's just the speed of it and the positiveness of it. There's just something that washes over me about that song that I have to turn it up. And in my radio career days, whenever we played it, mm -hmm. I'd have the headphones on. And if there was work to it, I'd go, just a minute, give me a second. And I'd crank the headphones. I'd just sit there and yeah. dancing around the control room and singing the tune. And yeah. That's great. Well, when you were at Q, you had a, a space um, that was visible from the street. I remember. Yeah, uh, there was a while there we broadcasted out of the Hard Rock Cafe at Young and Dundas. Yeah, so it's a shopper's drug mart now. I, I know it's so sad. Yeah, yeah, I know it's yeah. awful. But uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. So no, I was just going to say that story about kids in action is a great one, and I had read about that probably about two months ago. And I don't know, Ted Templeman's new book came out. I don't know if you knew that that was out, but he he talks no. about that. He, because he produced that record for David Lee Roth. He did, and he did. Uh, Billy Sheehan. You know that was that was almost going to be on the record. Kids in Action. I thought that was really cool. I I didn't know that. He tells mm -hmm. that story in the book, which is really neat. You know, you're walking around. I was the writer. Perry, you're walking around all these years, and I'm going, man, did that really happen? Like I don't know. <laughs> like like, and then Billy Sheehan, only a few years ago, he goes, I have something for you. And I was like, what? He goes, I got the track sheet. Like I found the track sheet. So oh, he wow. sent me the track sheet and there it was like kids in action up top, David Lee Roth uh, and the kick drum skirt of a track sheet for your listeners is, no you know, where the kick drum is, where the guitar is, what track this, this is recorded. On. And so I had, I saw the track sheet. I was like, wow. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Never heard it though. I don't know. I made, I'm sure Roth has possessions of all those tapes. And by now I'm sure they would be unplayable. You'd have to bake them and digitize mm. them stuff like that but the almost moment brent <laughs> the almost hey moment. man i did okay i've been a happy guy i've been a lucky lucky musician i feel so oh kim absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. uh next tune bonnie Raitt. i can't make you yeah. love me mm -hmm. so well she did she didn't write this tune but uh it was a couple i think nashville songwriters but there's that song stops me in my tracks just from I mean, the chord changes are so beautiful. The lyric is just so beautiful. When I first heard that song, my marriage was breaking up. Mm -hmm. And um, it just reached right in. And, uh, you know, it would bring a tear to my eye often. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would get very emotional listening to it. Her opening line, if you have headphones on, the vocal sound and just how it sonically wraps around the music and i think that's bruce hornsby playing oh, keyboards on it too i believe so it sure sounds like him and that everything's back phrase bruce hornsby back phrases which means he plays behind the beat a lot and mm -hmm. it's just 
but he does it so beautifully. And when she goes, turn down the light, it just, I just go, whoa, I, you know, my hair's raised on my arms every yeah, time. Yeah. And the older I get, the hair's raised up on my ears, <laughs> but uh, wherever, wherever else hair is coming out of my nose. Um, but, but it's just so beautiful. She just, the whole song top to bottom. I know that song so well that even in the second chorus, I feel the power when she says that her voice cracks just a little bit. She uh. sounds like she, it, her, but she just keeps, just keeps going through it. And, uh, it's such a beautiful performance, but I want to also give a respectful nod to George Michael's live version of it. Mm-hmm. George Michael does the same thing to me when he sings it. He's, he's playing live somewhere, but there's strings and, when is he does the same thing it's just so emotive it's such an expressive song and such a what what gets me to it's such a hard piece it sounds like it's a an easy song it's just like turn down da, 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 da. but it's the, the emotion that it takes to deliver that and boy those two just knock it right out of the damn park freaks me out okay yeah. sorry did i go on too no long there? you know what kim that's exactly okay. what i'm looking for that was okay that All was right. yeah absolutely fantastic Doug. Okay, so I, I urge your listeners, uh, you know, of course, you probably have heard the Bonnie Raitt version, or if you're a younger music fan, listen to Bonnie Raitt, because there's a whole lifetime of hurt and and just living life in that song. This is, you know, this is a woman who has been up and down and over to hell and back, and, oh, and yeah. it, it comes out, it takes, you know, sometimes a song like that takes a, a, an older person who's been through a lot of stuff in there, you know, it takes the, you know what I'm trying to say. I know exactly um, what you're talking same, about. And same thing with George Michael. It is so amazing. So emotive. So yeah. Both versions are awesome. Oh, brilliant, Kim. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so we talked about this uh, before the show started. Casey Musgraves, your next song, Slow Burn. This is an excellent pick just because, I was kind of almost surprised that it was on here because this song really makes my skin vibrate too. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. New. Melody, 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 melody. Yeah. Um, first of all, I love her because she's she's a rebel in the country music world. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not really widely accepted in the tight circle of of country music. It's her, her subject matter sometimes, and just uh, what she sings about. And just how she carries on with her life. But she is such an amazing songwriter, such a talented uh, singer. Mm-hmm. And I love her guitar playing. And this song I first heard, there's another artist here in Canada. Her name is M. Griner. And yeah, we're friends. Yeah, yeah, M. Griner. She sang with Bowie and, and we're good friends. And I was actually down at her place. She uh, lives in St. Mary's and went down for a visit. And, mm-hmm. and she, we're just going to be heading out for something to eat, hanging out as pals. We wrote a song together a long time ago and we're catching up and, and she had that all of a sudden that song came on just, you know, Bose speaker somewhere. And, and she's upstairs like, Oh, I'll be right back. I'll be down. And then we'll head out and, and mm-hmm. listen. I'm going, Oh my God, listen to this song. Like, who is this? I hadn't even heard of her yet. I'm like, what, what, what is, wait, whoa. And when, when Casey hits the chorus, this is what I'm stressing: melody, melody, melody. Yeah, they're kind of normal chords, but the which she does with the notes, low burn. I was like, wow, that's just genius! Like it's amazing. And 
once again, it just made my skin jump. And, and of course, Ann comes down. She goes, okay, let's go. And I'm like, who is this? <laughs> who, who is it? She goes, oh, it's Casey Musgrave. And I'm like, okay. And, and I went, dove deep down into the rabbit hole with her. You know, just like, oh, yeah. I got to know about this person. And she's just so talented. I'm glad you like it too. I, you know, I, can you imagine someone listening to Casey Musgraves and going, nah, I don't, I don't see it. No, <laughs> like, what? I, you, you just can't, right? The, the first, no, my no. first exposure to her was, I think it was two years ago. This came out, I, I want to say 2018, but I was watching Saturday Night Live, Kim, and uh, oh. she was, she was the musical guest and, um, yeah. and she played this and I just thought like that, the verse chords are this really nice change. There's only four of them. I think it's like an A to something yep. and then a G and a Yep. Whatever it is, but like just uh, the... da, 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 da. yeah, if it's a four change uh, uh, rotation cycle. Yeah, but it's just this. I don't know. I just thought, wow, this is this is going somewhere really cool if it continues, right? The atmospheric aspect of it. She had strings in the background, and the yep. lights were down. Like it was just, it was almost like it was very non-traditional to me. I, it's it wasn't at all what I was expecting. It was almost like it kind of reminded me of that same sentiment that Counting Crows used to be really good at in the late '90s. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with you, and and once again, it's one of those songs that is not vein popping. It's like, it's just, it's a relaxed, emotive, expressive song that's just yeah. beautiful. And her band, her band really gets her. That's I so I think I may have seen that that online after the, the same performance you're talking about. Yeah. It. I'm always amazed that I'm not amazed. I mean, it's it's what a musician's job is is to to pick up what what this artist the the emotion that this song is trying to deliver mm -hmm. as opposed to i'm going to come up with a really cool part there's a guitar player i love his name's tom bukovec mm -hmm. and he's a he's a nashville session guitarist and he talks about doing nashville sessions with all these stars and he goes they can all, all every musician can dial in their own mix on their track and he goes you know guitar the other guitar players i'll listen to their mix and it's like they got the vocal way down because they're you know working on a part and they're coming up with all this clever playing goes i crank the vocal every note that i play is wrapped around the emotion of the vocal and what what the artist is trying to sing and i think that casey musgrave's band does a fantastic job of that yeah yeah no i would agree when that bass comes in it's just yeah man it just takes you to another yep. place right yep love it Okay, here's another good pick. Archangel, sent by angels. This is 92. Charlie Sexton. Yeah, this right? is early. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, Doyle Bromhall. Too. Yeah. Uh, Doyle Bromhall II. I've seen Doyle play a couple times uh, in a small town north of, you know, Peter's Players, north of Toronto. Yeah, There's a little a guy who just transformed his house into a little, his garage or something, into a little concert hall. And when, what does it hold? Not even 100, maybe 100 people. Maybe. Uh, no, no. Something like, like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, but it's it's pricey to get in, but it's it's when an artist is rolling through Toronto or wherever it's they have a night off and like, well, you want to come up, I'll pay you this and mm -hmm. we'll sell the place out. And a lot of artists love doing it. Anyway, I love Archangels because I, I Doyle Bromhall is the second is one of my favorite guitar players in the world. Mm. I, I would pick him over many guys all the time. It's not because of his chops, it's because of the greasiness in his playing, the phrasing, and he has the most amazing, cool voice, and just I don't know. I, I it's hard for me to describe this guy. He's just, he's just ultimate cool to me. Yeah. I think he could walk in. He could walk into a room with 
with all these major guitar players and just outcooled the whole room. <laughs> but I loved that album, Mark. That they only did, I think they only did that one album. They may have done another one and then they kind of disbanded and off they went doing their solo stuff. But that's part of Double Trouble, right? Yes. Ray Vaughan's Double Trouble. And just loved the natural, organic rockness of that record. Sonically, oh, yeah. I love the guitar sounds, I love the writing. It's just a beautiful journey. For me, you you have those albums that you can put on and listen top to bottom, and there's not one tune you skip. You go, uh. so it's like one of those records that when I put it on, it's rare that unless I'm really distracted by something that I'll go through the whole record. Yeah, isn't that funny? I had that conversation about six months ago with somebody. You know, we we talked about records that you wouldn't you you listen to every track top to bottom. They're all winners. Mm-hmm. You know, like a. A lot of the, for me anyway, a lot of the the Van Halen records are like that, the early ones, or you know, yeah. like Back in Black, or something like that, or Led Zeppelin. Oh record. yeah, but yeah, yep. A cool, serious musical journey. That's it, right? And that's the yeah. thing about albums, Kim, is that you think back to those days when sequencing was extremely important, and the album told a story about where the artist was at that point in their life, and you could, if you mm-hmm. listen closely, you could really kind of get that from it, right? Yeah. 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 Although you, you mentioned, I'm, I was never a fan of the the concept records like no. Tommy or you know, you know, like, what do you call those sort of rock opera kind yeah. of deals. It's like not just great songwriting that that songs follow each other. I don't need a concept record. I mean that's cool, but it just it was not something that I I would go. Oh, that's great. It'd be more like, well, how's this how's this song standing on its own? How's this standing on its own? Yeah. Not just my my own taste. And- no, I I agree. I think that those things were a little bit too involved, and I think that there was kind of an overreach on a lot of those. I just you know mm-hmm. they almost spited themselves. I found you know it was almost like a try too hard moment. For, yeah, for like and don't please, I'm not slamming Tommy. I, I'm I, I even though it sounds like one of my favorite albums is by that band, which was Live at Leeds. Mm. That's one of my favorite rock albums of all time. And actually, I played at Leeds. Um, with Black Sabbath. Oh, no way. For them. Yeah, it was the scariest gig I'd ever done. We played with Black <laughs> Sabbath at uh, Hammersmith Odeon. I think we did a couple wow. nights with Black Sabbath at Hammersmith Odeon in London. We did, also did, I think, three nights there with Rush. And wow. we were going to go back and, and do our own gig. We were sort of getting into that zone of going over to uh, Europe, England, UK and, and Europe yeah. to play some gigs on our own. That's when we broke up. But Black Sabbath in Leeds, it was the scariest gig. I think I, I was hyperventilating before we went on. Oh, really? Pictures, it was like, picture like an underground parking lot kind of vibe. Yeah. Just cement and then those sort of iron pillars that, that's holding up some kind of cement roof. Yeah. And you're kind of standing backstage and it's kind of hazy and dusty and they open the doors and the most ridiculous looking audience started to just run for the stage. Like <laughs> I had, I mean, this is a long time ago, like piercings and you know, stuff on their face and, yeah. you know, studs sticking out. And it's like, they're like at the front of the stage going, yeah, yeah. This is, you know, this is like a, this is like a couple of, you know, an hour and a half before black Sabbath is on. And I just, I stopped my tracks and went, Man, I'm just a frostbitten Canadian. I'm terrified right now. <laughs> and I went back to the, I remember going back to the dressing room saying to the guys, Have you seen this audience? And they're like, No, oh, what's up? And I said, I said, They're gonna they're gonna kill us. They'll eat us alive. <laughs> We're not gonna get out of here. And, and oddly enough, 
you know, my knees were shaking for the first song or so, but then they started to, you know, rock out with it. So yeah. we went out, we went out, okay. That's good. And actually Black Black Sabbath too, when they recorded here in Toronto, Max Webster was doing our third record, Mutiny Up My Sleeve, and they were in the main studio and they came over and went, do you want to come in and hear a playback? Oh, wow. Uh, sure. So we all sat around and listened to a playback. Ozzy, his dad was sick at that time. Yeah. And uh, he was in the lounge. He didn't come in, but yeah, it's funny stuff. That's great. Yeah, that's nice of him. Yeah. Sorry, I got a million stories. It's just remembering them, man. <laughs> this is Kim. This is the place to tell those stories, my friend. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a neat moment. I remember they cranked it right up to it. It was just, there it was. Tony Iommi's just guitar was just, oh, it's so beautiful and just raw. It was a bad track, right? Nothing sweet, nothing fancy. Just They just tracked it and went, hey, I can't even remember the song at the time, but it was just, we we were sitting there going, holy shit, man. And they had it just level. The speakers were just so loud. It was like, wow, this is so awesome. That would have been probably technical ecstasy, maybe, I think, right? Or, yeah, or Never Say yeah. Die, one of those two records. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And it's just, they're just people. That's what you keep forgetting. It's like, oh my God, I'm going into here. But they're just kind of guys chilled out. They're musicians. And same thing with Ozzy. Like in the... In the lounge, like I said, I'm pretty sure his dad was sick at the time. And he's like kind of on the phone and he's off the phone. He's kind of pacing and he's making a tea and that kind of stuff. Just being a dude who's concerned about his dad. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, says a couple things about it. And, yeah. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Last tune here, Kim. It's Don Henley and the Boys of Summer. I know. I know. <laughs> That's guy's great. Such I a like per- this song. Well, it's a prolific songwriter he's so good and i mean i've been to california and it just reminds me of california and Mm. it's just got that vibe and uh once again it's a just a well-written song Mm -hmm. yeah it was a big hit and yeah don has some people that might not like him that well but i think he you know in the music business he's really stood up for musicians and publishing rights and all kinds of all the good stuff you know he 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 goes to town for it. He goes to bat for all of all musicians and um, not just himself. And it's just the tune. Just I just love it. For some reason, it comes on. It was one one of those songs again in my 11 year radio career. Come on, and I'd be cranking up the headphones. I can't feel you, <laughs> after the morning. So I just sort of picture California, the beaches, and stuff yeah. like that. It's it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing the the energy that music translates. It's just I'll never stop being fascinated how a song can take take you to a different you know just take you away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, Ken, that's a great list. Um, and, cool. and very well Thank done. You. Yeah, I uh, I wish that we could go on and on and on. This has been a great conversation. Well, I've enjoyed it, Brent. I really appreciate uh, the chat. Very yeah. nice speaking with you. No, very nice speaking with you. Thanks very much. It, it's it's a genuine pleasure of mine. As I said, I'm a big fan, and I wish you all the very best. Thank you for doing this. It's been fantastic. All right, and you as well, and hopefully you stay healthy. We all stay healthy. Yeah. All right. All okay. Right, Thanks, Kim. Take yeah. good care. Bye-bye. All right. You, Bye-bye. you too, man. Thanks. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, the legendary Kim Mitchell. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Subway, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.